What's up, Pit fans? Welcome back to another Pit Mailbag here on the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. I'm Noah Hiles. He is Chris Carter. And Chris, I mean, another week, another big set of wins for Pit basketball. It continues its trajectory toward the bubble. Uh, received four points in the latest AP poll. Not yeah. sure if that's four last, you know, four 25th votes or whatever that is, or if it might have been just one person putting them on their ballot. But I mean, it's a team that's back on the radar. A lot to talk about with basketball and football before we get into anything, Carter, any opening thoughts here? Uh, just that I, I do think, I think that there's, there's still some pit fans out there that are thinking like it's too early to get excited, but like what pitt has been doing, I think is, is are, are, are the way they're winning is are, are things that they can translate to beating other good teams. And again, they've beaten some good teams, you know, wake Forest, who they're going to play again uh, tonight, uh, you know, in, you know, in Winston Salem, they've already beaten them. Uh, Virginia Duke, like these are teams that, you know, our people are looking at with respect. So I, I think Pitt's done some really good things in the, in the way that they're winning with their guard play, with their shooting, with their offense, with their defense, with their rebounding. That's the kind of stuff that tra that travels on the road, especially to neutral environments. Um, and I think people should have every reason to be excited that this team can and will make the tournament. And on the flip side, for the people that are too excited right now and think that right. Pitt should be a nine seed or something, yeah, like, like relax. Hold your horses. A like, month a month ago, this team still hadn't beat Duke. You know, yeah. it was zero and three in the, or, or one and five in the ACC or something like that. So it's been a very good month, right? But it needs to be sustained. This team is exactly where it probably should be right now in net, in Ken Palm, in bracketology, and everything. It's in the heart of the bubble race, which is kind of what we expected at this point in the year. The journey was a little different. Um, there were points where we thought this was a really good team. There were points where we thought this was a really bad team. And now this team's into form. But it's got a big journey to finish here, and it starts tomorrow night. Or tonight, I should say. Um, but we're going to talk about that and more. Before we do, we got to talk about the show's presenting sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether if you're in town for a Steelers, Pirate, or Pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs. And you can catch all of your NFL, college football, college basketball, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you can dream of. And trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do. And I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you'd like your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in town. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. Carter, on the note of Mike's Beer Bar, has anyone really sat down to count 500 beers? Could I, there could be more. I don't know. There's a, there's typically more than 500 beers right. because the 500 is like is like the standard of what they get. But then any beers that are left over that that haven't been drank yet and they're and they're bringing in new ones, they're there. So yes, it's over 500. I was gonna say, and you know, and to be fair, most of the times I'm at Mike's Beer Bar, I'm not in a frame of mind to be able to count to 500. So because <laughs> I'm having a good time, I'm having a steak on a stone, I'm trying a flight, I'm having a good time. But yeah, shout out to them. On the note of, uh, you know an expensive good time, we start off this mailbag with this question from Thomas. Is there anything being done through Alliance 412 to keep freshmen like Lowe, like Jalen Lowe and Bob Carrington from attempting to go to the NBA or transferring? 
This is a really good question from Thomas. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'll start off by answering this one. Um, well, first off, yes, it's a great question. Second, it's an unfortunate question that this is even something that needs to be thought about by Pitt fans right now. I mean, the team's in the midst of a great run, and this is on the minds of, I'm sure, a lot of fans. Like, are these guys, I mean, these guys are really good. Are they going to be back next year? Um, from what I heard, it's going to it's gonna take a lot of money. Uh, Alliance, uh, multiple people have told me, multiple sources have told me, Alliance 412 and other people involved with just Pitt NIL opportunities are, are already starting the process of generating funds to not only retain Lowe and Carrington, but Ishmael Leggett as well. Uh, that's the big priority, it seems, for just Pitt Athletics, let alone Pitt, or not Pitt Athletics, excuse me. It's the biggest priority for Pitt's NIL investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say for Pitt Athletics, it has nothing to do with actual Pitt Athletics, it's, but, for, but for Pitt Athletics, which is what these collectives support. Um that's the top priority right now is generating funds to keep these three guards in blue and gold next year. Now, how much will that cost? I've heard it's going to take seven figures altogether. The ideal target number from what I've been told to keep all three and also be able to make additions in other areas of the roster is around $2 million. That's a steep price. Uh, But I mean, you look, at what the going rate for some of these players are, a guy like Carrington, who could potentially be drafted in this year's NBA draft or could leave and go to really any big-time college program. I'm sure they would all love to have him with his potential. That's probably a seven-figure player. I'm not sure if Pitt will pay him seven figures. Maybe he'll take a discount. Um, But you're looking at that type of range right there, and they need to be prepared to have those types of resources to offer because they're going to be counter offers. They're, they're going to be opposing leagues, you know, uh, teams in college and professional that want him and low and Leggett aren't going to be much less. They're going to, all three of these guys will likely have a price tag higher on, or on them this off season. That's higher than any player that Pitt is making right now in NIL. And I know what that number is. I'm not going to share it, but these guys will all probably make more than that next year. And that's just by judging the market and seeing how every offseason these things continue to go up. Two million is the number that the collectives are looking to reach to ensure the key players can be retained and this roster can have additional players brought in. Carter, do you have anything to add on this perspective or information? I mean, yeah, I've also heard uh, some some things. I think the thing that I've heard that's coming kind of interesting is that Pitt's kind of confident that they'll actually be able to keep the keep both of these well, their trio of guards right now if Bub Carrington doesn't go to the NBA. That is one of the biggest factors here. Is that Bub Carrington? I mean, the, the hype was there after a triple double to open up the season. We all saw the reports that he was put in, you know, NBA lottery pick consideration. That of course cooled off as the season's gone on, but. Bub's size, 6'5", being able to shoot, being able to defend, being a smart player, handling the ball well, distributing the ball well, all those things are attractive to an NBA team. But things that I've heard from scouts and people that, you know, they, they keep track of NBA, you know, draft draft stuff, what I've come to understand is that there are a lot of teams that love Bub, but love him as a guy that they're going to, that they would love to pick and then stash in their G League for a couple years and let him develop there. 
and then get some chances to be on the bench in the NBA and his work his way to being a starter. And that's going to be the question for Bob Carrington. Does he want to be able to, to do that, play G League, make money, make NBA money? Or does he want to be on a big stage in college basketball, also make some money, and get and get a chance to 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 shine to shine there. That's going to be a, a big part of the consideration. Now, yes, Pitt's going to have to pony up the money for him, and they understand that. Pitt's I think collective with, is going to have to pay up the money. Just want to yes, make sure we yeah, get that. Every, yeah, we, we, we all know this. We're yeah, not, no, we, I just want to make sure you're right. Pitt Athletics gotta, is gotta, not paying anyone. I make that very clear. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I, you're, you're right. I need to do, do one of one of those. Uh, this this podcast does not say that Pitt basketball is directly right. paying for any of their players. It's actually we, the, yeah, we get it. Yeah, but, we're not but, gonna get yelled at this time. No, I'm yeah, just we don't. But get point like point that. point being, the collective, the you know, the money that NIL has to from NIL that has to kick up for these guys will be substantial. But from what I understand, there is a sense that Pitt can do enough to keep these guys. The thing will be keeping these guys and then adding talent around them. And I think that's going to be the big challenge moving forward because here's the thing is that Blake Henson is a superstar right now. And these guys are playing great, but without Blake Henson, you wouldn't be seeing as much of this wins. And so they need to find a way to keep these guys while still bringing in more talent. That's going to help them. Yeah. And I mean, you look, I mean, just looking at numbers and it's, it's tough to report NIL figures, because nothing, yeah. nothing's like on paper. You know, it's it's just all word of mouth. Um, we hear a lot. We do, uh, yeah. but for numerous reasons, you can't necessarily just run with the numbers. But what I can tell you is, yeah, I mean, no no player on pit basketball right now is making seven figures or close right. to it. But right. that's just their their finances are going to have to adapt to the market. Like you look at a couple years ago, last year's team through the portal. NIL played a certain role in that, but I mean, that roster was built with nowhere close to a million dollars. And that was a tournament team. This year's roster was built uh, probably under a similar budget, maybe a little higher, but their budget's going to have to really increase. And I think that back-to-back tournament appearances will help with that. Um, But that's just where the sport's going, man. It's nuts that, Mm -hmm. like you pointed out, they're not just outbidding Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. They're outbidding the Boston Celtics, yeah. the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. you know, the LA Lakers, the Clippers, you know, like just all those, like, and you're bidding with overseas, you're bidding with overtime elite and all that kind of stuff. It's a different game, but to answer the root of the question, once again, Thomas, there is a plan. Can they execute? We'll find out. It's going to be tough. Jay wants to know, on the note of recruiting, can we expect to learn more about Pitt basketball recruitment for next year? Will a strong finish to the season bring in a bigger haul? Um, I'll start with this one, too, because it's a real simple answer. I mean, there is no extra recruiting, at least in high school right now. Right. There are two seniors, three now, with KJ being on scholarship and Hewitt being gone, they're going to have three open roster spots at the end of this season, right? Marshalls, Hewitts, which is already open, and Henson's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they might add one more high school guy, but you don't, in today's era of college hoops, you don't typically want to add more than three or four active guys. I mean, four was a pretty big class, which Pitt brought in last year. Yeah, And one of those four came in late, 
and another one of those four redshirted this year. Mm-hmm. So ideally, you want to player retention. Player retention. Uh, retention. I there should say go. is the name of the game here, especially for a team like Pitt, where a lot of your roster is able to come back next year. Retention is probably the top priority for this team. Retaining low, retaining Carrington, retaining Leggett, retaining Austin, uh, the Twins maybe, Federico maybe, um, Jeffress, keeping those guys around. That's step one. Step two is adding in high school talent, which they have two guys signed, Amde, Nadaye, and, and Brandon Cummings. Will How much of an impact will those two guys have? I expect Cummings to probably be a rotational player next year, maybe a starter depending on what happens with Carrington. Um, and I think Amde is going to be a little bit more of a long-term project, similar to what we saw with the twins. Maybe we see him in the back end of a rotation next year. Uh, and the rest is for the portal and that's the way to do it. You Pitt shouldn't want more than one or two true freshmen on its roster, especially in a year like next year, where if everyone comes back, this will be one of the better teams in the ACC. You're in win now mode and you have the luxury due to the landscape of this sport now, to add other pieces. And while, yes, you're not going to go out and get a Caleb Love or a Hunter Dickinson or a Nigel Pack, guys who have a seven-figure price tag to them, Pitt added some really good pieces in recent years Mm -hmm. with fair money. I mean, they had to pony up to get some of these guys in. They weren't cheap. But if you can go get guys to a similar price tag of what you paid for Austin or, or Leggett or Nellie Cummings or Greg Elliott, you know, players. I mean, they got a steal with Blake in the first year. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to build around this team. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily the way to do it by getting high schoolers. You have a couple of young talents here coming in that have already signed. I don't think you add any more. I think any new roster additions for Pitt moving forward, are going to come in March when the portal opens. Carter, what it says you? Yeah, I, I I agree. Like you know, especially if you're keeping Bob and Jay and Jalen, that's you know those those are your those are your freshmen that you have that you're developing. Um, you know, you're expecting Ish to come back. Like you know the and you've got Brandon and Indaye coming coming in next year. You've got the young guys, and let's presume that Pitt keeps. All, like, like, they're not going to keep everyone. Someone's going to leave. It just it's just the transfer portal era of college basketball. Um, but let's say a couple guys leave, but you keep the core together. Leggett, Carrington, and Lowe together, and then let's say the twins stick around. Awesome. Um, uh, you know, Austin. You know, guys, guys like that. That that make that makes sense. You know, Barnes will now be you know a guy that you can look at. Now all you're talking about is saying, okay, you've got these pieces. Go get one guy, like one really good veteran who could be a, a major player and then maybe a bench role guy. And then that might that's the path that I think that can be affordable to them uh, as far as bringing in a hall to finish out, you know, what you're adding in next year. But again, it just depends on, you know, who they lose. I, I think also, though, they're in a unique position that, you know, th- this year, because last year was a little different with John Hughley because, you know, he just left because John Hughley, John Hughley. Um, but. Uh, but as far as like, you know, in past years, Pitt's seen exoduses of players because they've been bad. And right now, Pitt is good. And, and right. if they make the tournament, that changes the tone of a lot of things. And I also think there's reason to 
buy in on Jeff Capel's ability to find talent with what he's done, especially the last two years. But even if you just look at, like, if you go to rivals right now and you pull up the rankings of just how high school recruits have been rated coming into when they were, when they were plucked out of high school, four of the top eight players in Pitt's history, according to rivals, are Jeff Hapel, uh, Jeff Capel guys. Now some of those guys left, you know, but at the at the, at the the point there is is that he is finding talent and finding ways to get it to this program. I, I think that especially if they're able to retain, like you said, retention is the big word here. If they retain the core that they've got now, can they add one big piece and make it the right piece? I, I give them a good shot at finding that based off of their track record of the past couple of years. Yeah, and I, and I think that unlike the last couple of off seasons for different reasons, their needs are a lot more clear Yes, heading into this off season. Again, assuming retention is the top priority and they find a way to keep their three guards in house. And, and again, with Austin and all the other guys, if they don't lose anyone major, or even if they lose one, let's say a Leggett or a Austin, or, you know, like if you keep the two freshman guards and most of the surrounding cast, you know what your needs are. Where last year it was, what what do we do? Will Dior be here? Who's going to want to come in and compete for playing time with, with like they need a veteran guard, but who's going to want to come in and compete with two top 100 guards and Dior Johnson for playing time in a backcourt? Uh, they need a wing, but their best player's a wing. Mm. They need a big man, but didn't they just bring in a top 100 big man? And don't they have three big men returning? You know, this year it's a, a lot, I think, easier to define their needs and it's an easier sell. You're going to be playing with two all ACC freshman guards. Probably, I would have to assume they're both going to be on the all freshman team. Maybe the ACC sixth man of the year. I mean, a, a team that probably, I mean, I would say, yeah, 50 50 back to back tournament appearances. The sell is easier now for Pitt as well. And while finance is going to be a thing, that is a concern for everyone. I don't know. I, I think that they're, they're in a much better spot this off season compared to others because I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be things that pop up, but just where Pitt's currently at right now, it's, it's a very easy sell for, you know, one really good big man and a couple of role players behind them. So, and again, that's, that's how a lot of really good teams are built. I mean, UConn built its whole bench from the portal last year and they, won the championship and they're really good this year. So whatever. Uh, we'll move on now. Nate wants to know coach Narduzzi is a popular punching bag, but would you grade his, but how would you grade his seemingly hopeful off season? He managed to keep a strong recruiting class together despite going three and nine and also showed a willingness to update his offensive philosophy. Chris, you can start with this one. Yeah, so I, I I do this also for like drafts, right? Like in the NFL draft and everything. Like, what did you? How do you grade the Steelers in their draft class? I don't. I think it's unfair to grade anybody when you don't know what the heck they're they're looking at. You know, the the grades as far as what Pitt's done this offseason, we're gonna find out. But I do think that this is now. You can say that Pitt has taken some really big swings here at trying to create a new create a new staff because one they they got it they, they a lot of their staff is gone the entire offensive staff is going to be brand new this upcoming season and they're going to be missing charlie partridge other defensive line coach um and they've replaced a lot of those guys with you know fcs type coaches and whereas some people can look at that and say like 
that's not good because these guys don't know what it's like to coach in a power five or power four, whatever the power is now. Um, but these guys don't have that experience and that could come back to bite pit. Or you could look at it and say, you know what? This is what a lot of power five and power four programs do now when they're looking for new guys that aren't proven. They go and grab guys that are innovative, that are successful at, at, at other levels and bring them in. And that's where I honestly think that Pitt is, is leaning on right now is that, hey, we can be the group that just is hitting really well with what we saw at the FCS level. Um, and I think that that's what they're trying to do there. And as far as recruiting wise, I do think it, it says something that they kept their got their, their a lot a lot of that class together. Uh, but, you know, I wonder how that translates next year. If they have a bad season, I, the, 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 crew, the recruits that they brought in this year, they're going to be gone. And so that's where I'm like, you know what, this year isn't this offseason, you know, keeping the guys wasn't the issue because they were signed. Next offseason is going to be the big tell. And that's going to be based off of how well they handled the coaching hires this offseason. And if that translates well, this offseason was great. If it does not, this offseason was terrible and it might spell the beginning of the end of the Pat Narduzzi era. But there's there's a whole season before that. And that's what we're going to keep you covered here at the Post-Gazette. Yeah, this I think you said it best in those last couple of sentences there, Carter. I think we're we're going to look back at the 2024 offseason. The 2023-24 offseason yeah, yeah. Uh, as a very pivotal moment in Pat Narduzzi's tenure here. Um, it could be good because let's just say it all goes right, right? He changed his offensive philosophy, and he brought in a new up-and-coming OC who brought in his whole staff, handpicked. All these guys have worked with them, and it all worked out, right? That's good. They brought in the quarterback of the future, Eli Holstein. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They brought in a whole new generation of pass rushers, be it from high school or the transfer portal. And they brought in a guy who I don't even know in the best case scenario can replicate what Charlie Partridge has done, but maybe maintain the pace. That's the best case scenario. How many of those things are actually going to happen though, Carter? We'll have to see. Judging off of... I'm not even trying to be like a, like, you know, the sky is falling right. type of pit observer here, but you can't assume that all of this is going to go right. And that's my point. I will say it is impressive that they really only had one decommitment from their high school recruiting class, despite going three and nine and despite some obvious changes coming to the coaching staff, but that decommitment was their highest rated player. So mm-hmm. that's one thing, but it's still, you look at that group as a whole. I think we both gave it what, like a B minus that high school recruiting class. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad grade, but like you pointed out the high end talent in that group is pretty much all defensive linemen and Cameron Lindsay. But of, I think three of the four, four stars in that group are defensive linemen and they weren't coming to play for this new guy. They were coming to play for Charlie Partridge. Yep. And like you said, Chris, how many of the – will Sincere Edwards be here next year? Will Francis Baru be here next year? Will Jossier Weddington be here next year? You know, maybe. How good will they be? How Will, will Nick James and David Ojigbe reach their potential? You brought them in as long-term investments. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole scene thing is interesting. This is a big-time get. 
Yeah. But he's not the first four-star quarterback to come into Pitt. I mean, Davis Bevel was the next great Pitt quarterback until he mm-hmm. wasn't. Chad Voitek was until he wasn't. Chad Voitek. You know, I mean, and those are just two four-stars, and I know Voitek wasn't in the Narduzzi era, although I think he did play a year for Narduzzi, but he didn't recruit him. But my point being is that this can work. If it all works out, Pat's going to look like a genius, and this is going to be the offseason that gave him a second life at Pitt. There was the Kenny Pickett era and prior where he had Salem and where he had Powell and he had Partridge and he had Bates and all that kind of stuff. But this is the new look Panthers. And it's, it's a whole new cast. There's a lot that can go right. There's a lot that can go wrong. And it's going to be interesting because I, I think that some things that are unsettling are like you pointed out, Carter, not one person on this offensive coaching staff has been a position coach at a power four program. Mm-hmm. They, some of them have been like graduate assistants or, right. you know, different. analysts or whatever, but none of them have, this is everyone on this offensive staff is heading into the biggest year of their career. Cause it's their first year doing this and they're all doing this together. So they're all together trying to figure out how to navigate the portal from a power four perspective, NIL from a power four perspective, coaching day to day, coaching in the ACC, the travel schedule is more demanding. I mean, they're all figuring out what it's like to coach under Narduzzi, which can be difficult sometimes, I'm sure. Um, so there's a lot of questions there. This is year one without Par- Partridge's departure is huge. Yeah. You know, how many four stars are going to keep coming here to play defensive line without him? We'll find out. And how will these guys develop without him? Again, we'll find out. So I don't know how I would grade it. I think it's, like I said, it's either going to be a year we look back at as something that changed it for the good or set the program back significantly. And I don't know if there's a lot of area between. So not to create more anxiety for Panther fans. I feel bad that I just did that, but it's just a lot of question marks. It's a, it's a big, I I don't think, I think the easy answer too, as we continue this long winded answer on my end, um, you're not going to see the results either way next fall. This team could go three and nine again. And I don't know if you still have a clear cut answer on any of the things we just discussed. It's going to be two, three years until you can really measure what happened this off season. Eileen wants to know, since Ohio State hired a new AD to replace Gene Smith upon his retirement, talk of Heather Like leaving has subsided. What is Pitt going to do to keep her, or is it inevitable that she'll go to an SEC or Big Ten school? Carter, you could start. I think Pitt's probably going to. Ohio State was the big thing we were all we were all looking for. I think Heather Like's going to stick around. I think that you know Pitt's compensated her well. They paid her well to be you know, a, 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 an AD, she's done a lot of really good things. And I think that she likes what she's built at Pitt right now. I also think that Pitt's in a good situation because Heather, like from everything we've ever read or talked to her about or learned about, she's not, she's not a big fan of this new NIL age in the, in the ramping up that it takes to do all of that. Like she's, she understands what, Alliance 412 has to do. She understands what, you know, that there is money behind it. She, it's not she's saying, oh, money, get, stay away. But I, I think she likes being at, at the head of a, of an athletic department that 
is finding ways to be successful in the middle of that without having to be like Texas A&M that just shells out $70 million for no reason in a single year just to get rid of a coach they don't like. I think that she likes being at Pitt where they're kind of proving like, hey, we we have players. Like, And, and, and make no mistake, Heather brings in money. Like, it's not saying she, again, she is not scared of money. She doesn't, that doesn't dislike money. But I, I think that Pitt is the right mix and she's kind of developed the right mix for where she wants to be or where she thinks the world should be and how it's handling NIL. And I think it has to be the right situation for her to leave. I think Ohio State was a potential to be that. And maybe there's another suitor that will come calling very soon that will be like that. But, you know, will she someday leave? Sure, because everybody moves on at some point. But I I think the threat of right now has passed. Now, granted, her contract's set to expire at the end of this year. That, you know, that will will that will that be will she be extended? That'll be up to Pitt. I, I think that they'll find a way to work it out. And uh, she'll stick around for at least another four to five years. On the note of finance, I think Heather, like like you said, she likes money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her priority right now isn't NIL, it's infrastructure. She's in the midst of the most ambitious development project Pitt Athletics has done in probably since what the Peterson event center, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with this victory Heights thing. And it, it's tough for her, someone who came up with this idea, you know, started the, got the, the ground level funding and construction's underway. And now in the middle of it, she didn't know NIL was going to get this crazy where they're going to need this much funding. Yeah. for another element of competition. And that's, I think that the, the struggle here with like, is that this is an athletic director who wants to win national championships. She's told me, she said she wants to be at a place where they can compete for national titles. Right now at Pitt, it's tough to do that, especially in the big two sports. When your top priority right now isn't NIL, it's going to be tough to compete for a national title in football and basketball. Volleyball, you probably do that. Soccer, sure. Uh, But that's the thing where, and I haven't heard that any other places are interested in her, but if they are, and they could say, hey, look, we've got any type of facility for our athletic teams where that's not going to have to be a concern. And your only concern is maintaining what we have and also helping generate funds to bring the best players to play in these facilities. Pitt has two boxes to check right now. And I'm not insinuating that one has taken priority over the other, But it's tough when you've got two mouths to feed and dollars are tough to come by. So I think that she definitely wants to see Victory Heights come to fruition. She definitely wants to help bring a national championship to Pitt. It'd be hard to imagine now that Ohio State is out of the picture. It'd be hard to imagine her leaving before one of those two things is achieved. However, these are worries that she doesn't want to have i'm confident right she she wants to be an athletic she wants to be an athletic director at a school that has an outdoor track on its campus that has maybe a football stadium on its campus um that has these things taken care of and there's always going to be new needs but you go to a school in the sec or the big 10 and your media revenue takes care of those things You don't need as much alumni donation dollars because you have double the revenue coming in through your television deal that Pitt's currently getting. 
So I could see why other jobs are attra- would be attracted to Heather for what she wants to achieve big picture. Right now, I do think she's locked in on Pitt. I think Pitt's locked in on her. I'm not exactly sure how much time left in her deal because, as we've said in previous mailbags, sometimes these extensions take place and no one knows about them. I believe she told me she had one more year on her deal uh, in the story I wrote on, on, on her during the summertime. So there could be another year remaining on that deal. Um, but it is a pressing issue for Pitt because I'll tell you what, you know, you want to guarantee how no winning takes place and Victory Heights doesn't get done? Let her go somewhere else. So Pitt's going to have to pay her so she can continue generating funds for both of these areas to be taken care of. Pete rounds us up in this pretty long mailbag, Carter. We had a lot to get into this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, wants to know what are our thoughts are on the new receivers coach, and is Pete wrong to be concerned about the staff's inexperience? For those who are unaware, Pitt, as of Monday – I don't think it's been official as time we're recording, but multiple sources have it is, confirmed to us. It is, it is official. They literally oh. just tweeted it like oh. like two minutes ago. Oh, there we go. So it's official now. J.J. Laster is the program's new receivers coach. He replaces Tyquan Underwood, who left for the New England Patriots. Uh, similar to other guys on staff, he coached with Cade Bell. He comes from Old Dominion, although he never coached there. He just accepted the job there last month. He spent the last three seasons at Western Carolina as the receivers coach in Cade Bell's offense. Um, Carter, your thoughts on all of this? I mean, it's just – it's more the same here. This is a really big gamble that Cade Bell's system is just that good and and is going to work and going to translate into the ACC. Uh, And and that's not to say that it can't, but, like, you got multiple coaches of his that you brought now into this – into your program to tell them that the system – and, like, listen – I'm not saying that their players are or aren't liking what, what they're seeing. You know, they're going to say the right things. But, like, you bring those guys in, you bring in, you know, two new receivers, Sincerely and uh, uh, and Raphael Williams, into a receiver room that had a lot of guys that were competing for time last last year. You know, there's going to be some interesting talk. I mean, there's going to be interesting to see how well do they clash with it because guys coming from FCS – you know, players who have been playing D1 football, you know, you know, D1, the top of the league, you know, football, that's that's going to that, that's going to clash and there's going to be some conflicts there. And that's where Pitt's going to have to win this year. And I mean, I'm not saying make the college football playoffs even in the expanded field, but they cannot afford to have a bad season. Otherwise, there will be a lot of people that are just like not feeling it. We're, we're, we're out of here because they're not – these aren't – this is – you didn't go and get an NFL coach in here that everyone's like, oh, you know what? I want to stick around for that guy. You didn't go get, uh, you know, another big-name college coach, a Charlie Partridge from somewhere else that everyone's like, you know what? I will listen to that to that guy. Like, you know, for example, you know, just did the story on, 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 on Bub Carrington and Jalen Lowe. Bub Carrington was talking to me for the story, and one thing he said, he talked about during the Duke game when they were, when they were winning – he wanted. To, he, he thought they should call a timeout. And he was trying to tell Jeff Cable from the bench, like timeout, timeout. Jeff Cable kind of blows him off, and he tell and he tell me. And I asked him about that moment. He was like, "Then I realized who Jeff Cable was." And I remember he, like, I heard that he won a high school cha- state championship. He's won a you know a, a national championship as a coach. He's been to the national championship as a player. Maybe I need to listen to him when he talks to me. That's going to be harder to get through to some big name players on your team from guys that are coming from FCS schools. So again, they got to win now. 
I think it's reasonable to be concerned about this experience because experiments are always concerning. If it hits, great. If it doesn't, people are going to look back at this offseason and be like, what were they thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think the the widely connected pro for Cade Bell is his philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's true. Like, his scheme could work. And scheme knows no level, right? Like, you got to be able to call – like, D3 guys can call good plays. It's just you got to have the players to run them or whatever. So he could have a good playbook that translates well. My counterpoint to that would be he's not the only person with a modern offense. Right. You know, that was available. Other you know, this do. is uh, unless if his scheme is so revolutionary that it blew everyone else's out of the water. There were other power five coaches available with power five experience, guys who have more experience recruiting with NIL resources, who've recruited players above an FCS caliber for decades of their career that you could have went out and got who are still young, who still give check the boxes that Cade Bell checks that have more experience. And they didn't get that. They got someone who is completely raw. And what Pitt's doing right now is putting all of its eggs into the basket. It'd be like the Pirates signing Paul Skeens to the biggest deal in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, I hope this works. Because right. he's you're, you're, he's the key to your franchise, but he's also never played at this level. And it's a little different because Skeens is probably more regarded as a prospect, as a player, than even Bell is regarded as a, as a coach. So that would probably be even a wiser investment. But there's just a lot of eggs in this Cade Bell basket. That's not me suggesting that it's not going to work. But like you said, it is a tremendous gamble when you don't have one experienced staff member. You risk isolating a lot of players on that offense who were brought in by that old offensive staff. And for all of its flaws, there was continuity, there was relationships. And if this message falls on deaf ears, or if they go the first couple of games without scoring a lot of points, and it's more of the same from last year, you're looking at some big internal problems here. So you better hope it works. Otherwise, because if, if this staff shows that it's a Western Carolina staff and not a Power Four staff, you're in big trouble. You're yeah. in huge trouble. But if it works out, you look like a genius. And Cade Bell's probably the next coach at Oklahoma. And Pat Narduzzi <laughs> is buying another yacht in Rhode Island. You know, it is it is what it is. So it can go well or it could go horribly. And I don't know if there's a middle ground, like I said before. Carter, any final thoughts as we wrap up another mailbag here? Yeah, that yacht will have enough space to play some bocce on it too. Uh, yeah, Pat it'll have a couple blue some, vases some on there as well, I'm sure. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, but all right. That's all we got for this week's Mike's Beer Bar uh, Pit Mailbag. He's Chris Carter. I'm Noah Hiles. You can check out our work at post-gazette.com, and you can follow along with all of our Pittsburgh uh, sports coverage at the Post-Gazette. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.